Tonight is uh, September 20th, 2017. The title of tonight's message is Oversized Teflon and Splitting Ears. Oversized Teflon and Splitting Ears. Matthew chapter 6. Okay, y'all can't get all quiet and Wednesday night-ish on me. It's, it's different on a Wednesday night sometimes than it is on a Sunday. Sunday, y'all are ready. We've got a group that's been up since, you know, zero o'clock uh, getting ready for prison. They're already warmed up. They're good at the beginning of a service. Some of them fade and need to stand up because their eyes get heavy in the middle, but at least we start off kind of right out of the gate. Wednesday nights are a little bit different sometimes. So I believe that the Lord has given us something for tonight. When, you, when I talk to you about this tonight, you're going to realize that God has been at work for a long time in our midst. And I want to point out just a few things that should encourage you about this tonight. And we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Say there when you're there. All right, that was about half of you. Say there when you're there. All right, because I need you to help me tonight. We got to do this together. This is not a performance that I'm making for you because I'm the wrong guy to do a performance for you. What we're going to do is dig into the word and allow God to speak to us tonight. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5, it says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Huh, hypocrites pray, that's interesting. For they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Uh Uh-oh. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Wow babbling for they think that they have been heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him isn't that a reassuring thing that your father knows actually what you need not just what you want not just what you're thinking he knows all those things but he actually knows what you need he's already preparing what you need before you even get there i want to start off with the thought that god knows exactly what we need i want to go back a few messages here some of you heard pastor eric do this we were talking about this on monday afternoon getting ready for foundations, I want to go back and share with you, starting from about a month ago, on August 20th, that was Pastor Matt's message, shearing of sheep and the glory of goats. Do you guys remember that message? Remember the picture of that giant sheep that hadn't been sheared in a long time? The problem that it causes when we try to keep our own glory, when we don't allow the Lord to shear us, we try to keep those things instead of becoming exactly supple and keeping our hearts pure before the Lord. We had foxes, floods, and fires. Oh, my. We talked about Song of Songs. Catch for us the little foxes that spoil the vine. You guys remember that? Those little things. We talked about how it's important for us to take care of those foxes. We had Hurricane in the Desert from Judah on Hurricane Harvey. During that morning, Judah came in and preached a powerful message. If you haven't listened to these, if you don't remember what they're about right now, you need to go and you know what you should be doing over the next couple of days. You should find on the app and you should listen to these because they were speaking life. Judah hit one of my favorite messages that he's ever done because I couldn't think of a more timely word than he brought for the 80 of us or so that were here during Hurricane Harvey. Practice and perform was the next one that Pastor Matt and I did. Making the most out of every opportunity. Turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Turn there real quick with me. Let's start in verse 2. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. Is everybody there? Amen. We're either there or getting there. I love it. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 
And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in, I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We had heavenly perspective where we talked about Psalm. Every time to Psalm chapter 11 and verse, we're going to just read verse 4 instead of reading all of Psalm 11. But we learn that Psalm 11 is built in a chiastic structure. That the first and the last verse relate. That the second verse and the second to last verse relate. And the ultimate, the highest goal of this psalm is right found in the middle in verse 4. Are you there? Psalm 11, 4. It says this, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on His heavenly throne. He observes the sons of men. His eyes examine them. And then it goes on to tell us more about this. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked and those who love violence, his soul hates. We talked about when we are reminded that the Lord is the one that sits on the throne and we have that perspective and we remember that he examines us, then we can go on to have faith and take our refuge in him. You guys remember that? Wits end in precarious positioning. <laughs> Would you discredit my justice? Pastor Eric had an incredible word based out of Psalm, uh, Job chapter 40. Harassed and helpless, Matthew 9, 36. Turn there with me to Matthew 9. I'm doing this for a reason. I am reminding us quickly about what the Lord has been speaking to us for the last 30 days. The last 30 days He's been speaking to us this way. The title of the message was Harassed and Helpless. Matthew 9 and verse 36 says this. When He saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Moving our hearts, allowing us to understand that God Almighty moves on our behalf and moves on the behalf of those who are harassed and helpless. Crazy Train was last week where we didn't want to be unaware of the enemy's schemes, but we wanted to take every thought captive. Sunday, Category 3 Storms, Matthew 13. Since we're here in Matthew 9, let's turn to Matthew 13. Let's look in verse 22. We realized that we were in the category three of this parable. The one who received that seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it and make it unfruitful. Are you guys with me? You remember, you, these, these should be pulling back entire sermons. I'm giving you just a little bit to, to remind us of what the Lord has been speaking not including the foundations that we've had with Pastor Justin that came and had an incredible word about us being the fragrance of Christ. Home meetings. Everything that's been going on lately has been pushing us to this end. Now, what I, the reason I'm going back an entire month is because we're just finishing, in the Hebrew calendar, we're finishing the month of Elul. This is the month we're just finishing. We're about to go into the next month. Today is actually the next month. So I want to tell you about where we've been and what the Lord's been doing. In this month, the month of Elul, it's the last month of their civil calendar. They're coming around about to get to the new year in the Hebrew calendar. And here's what they're supposed to be doing each and every day. Each morning they wake up during the month of Elul and there's a shofar. Uh, Jacob, can you bring me the shofar, please, just so I can show everybody really quickly? Everybody knows what these are, but I want you to see it. I want you to be reminded. Every morning, except for Shabbat, except for the Sabbath day, there is a call to repentance using a shofar. 
You know why it doesn't happen on the Sabbath day? It's because the Sabbath itself is supposed to be that same call to repentance and what they're doing. Is that not exactly what the Lord's been doing? Last week, I told you that I heard a shofar in our midst. I heard it as if it were the heavens calling. I heard it, it was as if that we were supposed to pay attention and come to repentance in the way that we were thinking and what we were doing. Each morning, this is a call to repentance. The ten or so sermons that I just listed to you is exactly doing that for us. Let's turn to Psalm 27. Psalm chapter 27. They read this psalm throughout the month. The Lord is my light and He's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Think back on this last month, folks. How many things were there that we could have been afraid about? Hurricanes, storms, earthquakes in our world. The month started out, the, the Hebrew month started out with a solar eclipse and moving forward. Signs in the heavens, signs on the earth, wars and rumors of wars. Things that we could be afraid of if we were left to our own devices. Things in your life. Situations that have changed for each of you in this room within the last month. Situations that have changed with our church that can make us afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Can you say this with this passage tonight? As the Lord is calling out to us, can you say, even if a war breaks out in my own life, even if things become difficult, even if every bit of my resources are taken away from me, even then will I be confident in the Lord. Wow. That sure is easy to, to say from a pulpit. It's much harder to live this out, that we can be confident regardless of what's going on. Let's keep going. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Whew. Man, when you think about this and you could run to the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe. Where? In His dwelling. That's where the safe place for us to run to is. He will hide me in the shelter of His tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Everybody say, shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. How many of you have cried out to the Lord recently and He's answered you? Golly, what a gracious God we have. My heart says, seek His face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your, away your servant in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. Anybody ever felt like this? Yeah, Lord, don't, don't reject me. Yeah, don't, don't put me away. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. Verse 13, I am still confident of this. Everybody say that line with me. I am still confident of this. What does that necessitate? That necessitates that you are already confident of this. 
I'm still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord where? In the land of the living. We're not just talking about someday off in the future. We're actually saying that today, in the land of the living, I will still see His goodness. I will still trust in Him. My confidence is still in Him. Wait for the Lord. Everybody say, wait for the Lord. Lord. You know why the Word of God tells us that we have to wait for the Lord? Because we're going to have to wait. Because He's not going to provide everything we need right this second. But we can be confident of this, that we'll see His goodness. Come on now. there. We've had enough days this month where you can't always see the goodness of the Lord. If you're looking with your natural eyes, you miss it. But I, we can be confident of this, that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Come on, little church. Come on, little flock. He is pleased to give you the kingdom. He is pleased to be at work in our midst. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. After you've, become, you, you've rallied your strength, after you've taken heart, after you've worked on your thoughts, after you've moved to be in the Spirit, you know what you get to do? Wait for the Lord some more. In the month of Elul, this is what they're doing. They're constantly reading this passage of Scripture over and over and over and over again. They're waking up to the blow of a shofar. They're, they're hearing this passage over and over again. You know one of the other things that they do? is it is required of them in this month to check their Teflon and their mezuzah. For those of you who aren't as familiar with those words, the Teflon are the bind them upon your head. Let's turn to uh, Exodus chapter... I'm sorry. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It also mentions it in Exodus 13, but I want to move to the Deuteronomy passage. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 4. We're going somewhere, guys. I promise. Here's what we're doing tonight. As you're turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6, here's what we're doing. Y'all can look up here for just a second. We, in this church, what we're doing through this sermon is we're looking back to see what God has done. We're going to realize how much He's already been doing for us, how much He has aligned our hearts and this church with His perfect will. And then we're going to figure out where we are today and figure out how we move forward. Is that okay with you guys tonight? This is what we have been part of. This is what we have been seeing. This is His goodness to us in the land of the living. Then we're going to talk about today, and then we're going to talk about how we move forward. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, it starts off and says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands, these commandments I give to you today are to be upon your heart. Say, upon my heart. It's not just that you remember them. It's not just that you memorize them. It's they're placed upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them as symbols on your foreheads. This is the Teflon in the the Hebrew. They would have these leather straps that they would put upon their left hand to remind them of certain prayers. They'd have the little box in the Newer Testament it's, they're called phylacteries. They're here on their head and they would bind them on their foreheads. They would bind them on their hands trying to remember what the Lord said. The passages of Scripture they would have involved in those were Exodus 13, Deuteronomy 6, and Deuteronomy 11 that are all speaking to the same thing. But you know what the people were supposed to do every year in the month of Elul? They were supposed to have someone come along and actually check their Teflon and check their mezuzah. 
You may not see it from where you sit. This is exactly what the Lord has been doing to us in our church. How is your mezuzah? How are you keeping your mezuzah? Is this something that you're reminded of often? Are we walking exactly the way God has created us to walk? Or have we started veering from it over the last few months? Over the details and circumstances that we're under? Have we allowed God's Word to uh, not be bound around our hand and to become loose around us? I can assure you that's exactly what's happened to some of us in this room. We've been there and it's not that it's completely fallen off, but what used to be bound to your hand and tight to remind you of what God was doing, we've allowed it to become slack. We're allowing our love to grow cold, some of us. We've allowed the mezuzah that is supposed to direct our lives and give us purpose and give us direction to become something that is uh, optional at best. Something for another season in our life. I can assure you what the Lord is trying to do is remind us of the mezuzah. How many of you have a mezuzah written somewhere? How many, for those of you who don't have it, how many of you are working on getting your mezuzah? Amen. If you don't know what we're talking about here, we began this discussion all the way back at the men's reload in June. And here we are months later. I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't yet developed that, or if you say that you're working on it, but you let it sit somewhere and you don't pray about it and actually going after it, I'm saying, I'm going to remind you that you're not working on your mezuzah. Sitting and doing nothing is not working on it. Actually pursuing the Lord and actually getting Him to speak to you and refine this is what He's after. Why? Because every year we're supposed to get to a point where we're doing this. It was part of the Hebrew culture. It was part of them going back and going, hey, are you actually walking in your mezuzah? Are you doing exactly what it says or have you let it get vague in your thoughts? Some of the difficulties that we've been under as a church are actually designed to remind us about our mezuzah. It's checking our mezuzah. And some are passing with flying colors. And others, others are failing at keeping their mezuzah. They have not kept their mezuzah. I want, you, I want each and every person in here to be ones who are succeeding at following the exact voice of the Lord in your life. The Lord has been checking it for us. He's been putting us up against obstacles to remind us and to see how we're doing. So how are you doing tonight? How are you doing walking according to your mezuzah? This is an incredible thought to have. This is an incredible idea. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. Let's look at verse 5. Excuse me. That's disappointing. I just coughed and spit water out of my Bible. That's exciting. That's a blessing. I'm going to check in my mezuzah, I guess. All right. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. <laughs> Everything they do is done for men to see. Yeah. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Tassels on what garment? Tassels on what garment? They're tallit. They're prayer garment. 
They want to make the tassels nice and long. What is the implication here? If they start off saying everything they do is to be seen, they make their flock trees wider than they should be. <laughs> you guys, the, the old southern habit, habit of, of women wearing huge hats to church, being fancy. You know, all the beautiful hats that they would wear. Some cultures in our society still kind of have this. You, you come up to a certain type of church with certain type of people and they have, they have fancy dress. This would not be acceptable at all. And this is me kind of dressing up for church, right? This would not be acceptable at all. Have, yeah, they make their flat trees wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have men call them rabbi. Man, those, those, those crazy rabbis, right? All those people over there. What about us? How do we make our phylacteries wide and our tassels long in our culture? Isn't it not when we are after secretive knowledge? Don't you like being in the middle of knowing something? This is how we make our phylacteries wide and our tassels long. You like finding out some information maybe that nobody else knows. Positioning yourself in a certain group to be seen. I mean, do y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever name dropped anywhere? Yeah, I have. I was wrong in doing it, but I sure have. Why? Because I wanted the people around me to know that I knew somebody. Have you ever, have you ever walked in front of somebody? Come on, let's, let's just wait for a second here. Y'all are awful quiet. I can't tell if it's your thinking or you're being moved. So I'm going to believe that it's you're being moved and thinking about it really well, okay? How do we, how do you and I act more like the rabbis and the Pharisees than we care to act, than we care to admit? Make our flattery's wide. Please see what I know. Like the tassels on. Look at what a righteous man, look at what we can do. Look at, look at what I can do. Let, let me make sure, Pastor, that you see me when I come down. I'm going to come down. I want to make sure that you see me, so I'm going to pray right here. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> Everybody's like, got real quiet. They love to be greeted in the marketplace. <laughs> Once you understand the weight of leadership in God's house, you're not running for extra people to call you by fancy names because you realize what that actually means for you. Do you like to get in inside? Do you like to get insider information? Do you like to be in the group that kind of knows what's going on? Do you like to be hanging around? I, I just wanted to, us to take a minute and let us know that while we're finishing the month of Elul, this is what this month was supposed to accomplish in us. It was supposed to rid us of these things. Not to say that it can never happen. We're saying, Lord, how is it happening in my life? And would you get rid of all of it inside of me? Lord, I don't want to have anything that's secretive. I don't want to have anything that's even hidden. How about this one? This has come up a lot in the last week or so. So I'm going to share it with you because I'm your pastor. I'm one of your pastors. I've had people directly tell me, tell us as leaders, they're not obeying God, but they want to call it nobility while they're not obeying let, let, let me work through that for just a second. Uh, we know that the scripture says that we are supposed to handle, if we have anything against our brother, we're supposed to come to the altar, we're supposed to leave our gift at the altar and go immediately and handle that. Here's how we try to make it noble. Well, I mean, pastor, I didn't want to disturb you. 
I didn't want to disturb you before you were about to get going. Yeah, if the Bible says that you are supposed to leave your gift at the altar and immediately go to a brother and take care of it, what are you supposed to do? Immediately go take care of it. You are not noble. You're not helping us by not doing what God is saying. Pastor, I know that the Bible says don't let the sun go down on our anger. I know the Bible says that. But I figured if I sleep on it for a few days, it'll be all right. And a few days turns into a few weeks, and then we're just not addressing things. And somehow we're noble because we're just giving you time to process. How in the world is this going on? This is the same kind of spirit that we see here in the religious leaders who made wide phylacteries, who've made tassels that are long. <laughs> I call it sometimes that we want to go sowed farming. We want to have a great deep revelation. Why? Not because we're trying to pursue God. We're trying to show people that we've learned something. Sowed farming, that's what I call it. I don't know that that's a... I kind of made that up. So I know people, and, I, and when I say sowed farmers, I think of certain people. The issue isn't sharing your knowledge with other people. That's what we're trying to do, right? The issue is if you have something in your heart that's trying to widen your phylactery or lengthen your, ta your tallit, the tassels on your tallit. If you're trying to show people that you know something, there's a problem of immaturity in you, and this entire month has been aimed at getting at that. What I don't want to do is leave this month, which we now have officially since it's dark outside, is leave this month and us not get the full benefits of what the month was supposed to produce in us. Y'all with me? Yeah. This is what we're trying. This is why we're going back over all the sermons that, we're, that we've had. In this month, there were supposed to be prayers for personal and corporate forgiveness and repentance. Sunday, it's, it's hard to say which, which sermon is my favorite when it comes to Pastor Eric. They just kind of stack up, you know. It's in the top hundred, Pastor, because <laughs> they all smack me right in the face. Let's turn to Psalm 135. Am I the only one? No, okay, that's what I thought. Psalm 135, verse 15. When we're learning about the thorny soils, the thorny soil on Sunday, the thorny places that also grow up, the Word of God is growing up, but there's also other things that are growing up as well. And verse, Psalm 135, verse 15 says this. The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Look at verse 18. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. One of the main things that I walked away from Sunday is if I have any kind of idol in my life, I become like the idol that I'm worshiping. I become the, just like the idol. If it's mute, then I become mute and cannot speak rightly before the Lord. If it is somehow lame, I can no longer walk rightly before the Lord as I hold on to that idol. I become deaf to His words. I become where I cannot see clearly His face. Goodness gracious, this is what the Lord has been trying to dig out of each of us. Is this true or not? Have you had the Lord pierce your heart lately or not? Turn to Ezra chapter 9. Ezra chapter 9. Let's look at verse 3. As we're finishing up with this month, 
These are passages that we spoke of very briefly on Monday night, and I'm not going to get into them deeply now. But prayers, some of the most uh, meaningful, famous prayers throughout the Bible are here in Ezra 9 and Daniel 9 and Nehemiah 9. But here in Ezra 9 it says this, When I heard this, I tore my tunic and cloak. Wow, clunic. That's what happens when you put a tunic and a cloak together. You get a clunic. I tore my tunic and cloak, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down appalled, destroyed, devastated. Then everyone who trembled at the words of God, the God of Israel, gathered around me because of this unfaithfulness of the exiles. And I sat there appalled until the evening sacrifice. Verse 5, Then at the evening sacrifice I rose from my self-abasement. I feel like we're, we're, in a season, we're in a time now, in a, in a very short amount of time where we're getting to rise now. The Lord has been working through things in us, rising up out of the self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn and fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord my God and prayed, Oh God, I am too ashamed and disgraced to lift up my face to you, my God, because our sins are higher than our heads. Can you imagine that? Just think about the visual there. Yeah, we've stacked the sins around us you ever get busy when you, when you get ready to move somebody and then you're trying to get things or you're trying to clean the house and you've got boxes stacked. You're literally kind of in a, in a fort that you've built. The problem is, is when that happens to us with the sins that we're involved in. We've stacked these things. They're in our way. They're, they're creating such a problem and they've literally gone above. I can't even see above it anymore. I can't see past these things that are in my life anymore. Our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our forefathers until now, our guilt has been great. Because of our sins, we and our kings and our priests have been subjected to the sword and to captivity, to pillage and humiliation at the hand of foreign kings as it is today. But now, for a brief moment, the Lord has been gracious. Everybody say gracious. gracious. In the midst of Him saying this, listen to this. Listen to this rising up within His Spirit. But now, for a brief moment, the Lord has been gracious in leaving us a remnant. There's something that you could say for just making it to the next day sometimes, right? On difficult days, you're like, yes, Lord, we are so glad that your mercies are made new. We get a reset button every single day. Sometimes that's all that I can ask for. Let's, let's, man, I've made it another day. I'm victorious at least in that. God's grace is seen at least in that. And giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Though we are slaves, our God has not deserted us in our bondage. Come on, guys. This should, be, this should be encouraging our hearts. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of Persia. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins. And He has given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. But now, O oh God, what can we say after this? For we have disgraced, uh, disregarded the commands. You gave through your servants, the prophets, when you have said, The land you are entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of its peoples. By their detestable practices, they have filled it with impurity from one end to another. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage. This was the basic problem that we are encountering here in Ezra. They had allowed intermarrying between the righteousness of God and those that were of another spirit. Do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time. Do not seek a treaty of friendship. Why? Because friendship with the world, you're showing a hatred towards God when we're trying to be friends with the world. 
that you may be strong and eat the good things of the land and leave it to your children as an everlasting inheritance. What has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt, and yet our God, you have punished us less than our sins have deserved and have given us a remnant like this. Anybody ever felt that way? You have punished us less than our sins deserve. How many of you can say that tonight? Yeah, it, it, if you're not raising your hand right now, then you're either asleep or you're just, you just don't care. God has definitely punished me less than my sins deserve. He has punished me so far less. He's given me grace. When I show up weak, He says, let me help you because there's a striving that we have to go after Him. <clears throat> and He goes on to finish this passage. These are the kind of prayers that moves God's heart. In Ezra to say, Lord, that we are, we are wretched. We have done so many mistakes and yet we come to you because you're gracious even in the midst of what's going on. This cry is how this moves from this month into the month that we're about to enter into. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 6. Here we're getting to the, some of the feasts. We're going to talk about the feast of Israel. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6 it says this, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You ever think about God swearing something with uplifted hand? When God swears by Himself because there's nothing higher for Him to swear by? Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And I will give it to you as your possession. In the Hebrew calendar, here we are. We have Passover. What's next? Gave you the clue, right? <laughs> uh, unleavened bread. Pardon my spelling since I can't see and do this at the same time. What comes next? We have first fruits. What do we have next? Wow, okay. We have Pentecost. We have Shavuot, right? These happen what became the first month of the year for them. Right? We go through after Pentecost. These three happen within about a week or so. About a week's worth of time. They move a little bit more than a week. They start here at Passover. Then immediately they go into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Sometimes this whole thing is called Unleavened Bread. Sometimes the whole thing is called Passover. And then 50 days after, this good Greek word, Pentecost, Right? Gets in here and 50 days after. This is when the, the, the Spirit was poured out. This is when God came and spoke to them on Mount Sinai. Right? Then what do we have next? We have a break in time. And then we have the Feast of Trumpets. We have Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Ah! 
And then we have the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. I'm going over this. I, I, I hope we remember this better now that we see it on the board. So we have a break in the year. We have a 50-day period between this and Pentecost. Then there's several months in here where we have a break. And then it ends at the end of Elul. Then we get to the Feast of Trumpets, which is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year. That is what today is on the Hebrew calendar. Happy Rosh Hashanah to everyone. This is starting the year 5778 on the Jewish calendar. They don't say 2017. They understand that it is. But what the year is that we are now, today, is Rosh Hashanah. Lashana Tova would be the way that I would properly say it. May you have a good year. And actually, that's a shortened version of Lashana Tova. Tikatev v'tahateim, which means may you be inscribed and sealed for a good year. May you be inscribed upon his hands. May you be inscribed in the book of life and may you have a good year. This is where we are now. Let's turn to Leviticus. I'm sorry, before we do that, let me, let me finish up with, with Exodus 6. We have the Passover. Let's go back and look at Exodus 6. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. What? I will bring you out. I will bring you out. Isn't that exactly what he did through Passover for them? I will free you. I'm going to get rid of the, unle- on the, of the leaven in your life. I will redeem you. I'm going to allow the, the first fruits to be waved to show that you have been re- redeemed. I will take you as my own. How does He take us as His own? He shows us and gives us His very Holy Spirit. I will be your God. He shows us this with loud trumpets, with announcing. In Revelation, when you hear the last trumpet of God, what happens? We are His. He shows Himself to be our God. I will bring you into the land. The Day of Atonement. He brings you into the land. What does that mean? He's healed the sicknesses of His people. He's redeemed them in a single day so that they can enter and take possession. And the last one is, I will give it to you, the land, as a possession. The Feast of Tabernacles. Let me just help you out with this really quickly and we'll we'll move on. Feast of Trumpets is today. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the new year. In ten days, what happens is the Day of Atonement. That's going to be on Saturday, September 30th. And then the tabernacles is when we all actually meet together for our one association meeting. So we're in church now on the Feast of Trumpets. We're going to talk about this tonight. The Day of Atonement, the Sunday before we leave for Louisiana, the uh, Day of Atonement will have just happened. The scapegoat. All those things that we've read about, that's what happens on the Day of Atonement. And then five days later, tabernacles begins. And it is supposed to be the most joyous, festive event that happens in the entire Jewish year. We're moving towards these tabernacles, staying in booths, but that one day God will allow us to take possession of the entire earth. We're going to go talk about missions. 
We're going to go talk with our brothers and our sisters across the country about how to better reach the world and bring His light to all of mankind on the Feast of Tabernacles. And I can assure you that's not something that we did intentionally. You're like, okay, last year we're sitting in D.C. Okay, what weekend y'all want to do it? I don't know, let's do it the first week in October. Sounds good. The reason I'm saying that is to show you that God is doing things. He's been speaking to us this last month in an exact way that He, that he would speak to His own people. And the, the festivities that they're involved in, the activities that they do, are what we shared as a church without knowing it. Without having this as a focus. When I started looking at this, I realized, Lord, this is exactly what you've been doing this last month. You've been preparing our hearts. Why? So that you can come in and sound a trumpet and to call something out in us, to split our ears with the very sound of your trumpet, that you would be our God in the midst of what's going on, that you would help us in such a way. Why? Because there's a day of atonement that is coming. There's a day of atonement that's coming. We can rise up from our self-abasement. We can rise up from our appallment. We can start moving. Why? Because God is calling to us. And we must have a response tonight. Let's now turn to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23 and let's look at verse 23. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites on the first day of the seventh month, which is what today is. We've moved from Elul... To the first month of Tishri, the first day of the month of Tishri. Say to the Israelites on the first day of the seventh month, why would you have a new year that begins at the seventh month? Well, I mean, think about it. We have a different, a, a bunch of different New Years, don't we? We have January 1st, New Year, Happy New Year. We have the beginning of a school year, it's a new year. We have different uh, financial, the end of the fiscal year. You're not really worried about it. You understand that there can be different New Year's. Passover is to help them remind them of what God did in their life. And yet we have this Feast of of Trumpets that's the Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of their civil year. On the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. (laughs) The word there for trumpet blast is teruah. It's the Hebrew 8643, teruah. It's a shout of joy. It's a battle cry. It's something that's supposed to rise up. It comes from the word ruah. R-U-W-A is the transliteration. It means to mar, to break, or to split the ear. In other words, it's so loud, it's so joyous that this is what God's doing. You can't help but shout it from the mountaintop. You can't help but shout it from the rooftop of what God is doing. There's, you've, you've been in a place where you're, you're judging your heart. You're watching what's going on. You're allowing God to remodel what's going on on the inside of you, to renovate you from the inside out. And now we get to a Feast of Trumpets. And actually on that day, over the course of, of their festivities, there's a hundred trumpet blasts that get given. A hundred trumpet blasts. We'll come back to this idea. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 6 really quickly. Joshua chapter 6. And verse 5. 
It says this, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up every man straight in. This idea that trumpets are supposed to be bringing forth something victorious, that behind the trumpet blast, behind the war cry, behind the shout of joy is something that allows you to walk right on in. You know, there's another time in 1 Samuel when they do this, they make a loud cry when the ark came back into the presence of the people. But it didn't have the same effect as this trumpet. They tried to make them cry, their cry on their own without the trumpet blast, and it created devastation. They were actually taken captive in that very moment. Now, as we are working through this, we see on this, on this day of Tishri, there's some interesting things that go along here. I want to show you guys this real quick. I don't know if you can all see this. Whoop. Try not to actually spill it. So typically, for Rosh Hashanah, okay, I'm just going to hold it like this. Because <laughs> that's not going to work if I do that. Is they often take apples and they're dipped in honey. Why? Because they're going to celebrate what God has done even before He does it. They're asking the Lord to move on their year and give them a sweet year. And they're crediting to Him that He's going to move on their behalf even before it really gets started. They're going to have apples and honey. They have bread called the challah, the shalah, C-H-A-L-L-A-H. Do you guys see how this is It's kind of woven? I'm going to actually pick it up with my hands. So this is real bread here. How it's woven like this? supposed to be in a round, uh, roundish kind of figure to remind you either of a crown or the circular fact that the beginning and the end of a year is connected. You would take it, sometimes you eat the bread or you dip the bread in honey as well. Remember that, that the Word of God, when, you were, when, they were, when the children were young, you'd have, they would eat part of the scroll dipped in honey. They're supposed to know that the Word of God is something sweet. You know what else they do on Tishri? They'll take something like this and after they eat some of the bread as well, they'll take some bread and put it in the fold of their garment. And they'll walk down to a river. And in the river, what they do is they start throwing pieces of their bread into the river. The leavened bread that they do have, that they're allowed to have on this day, that they get to celebrate, what they do is they cast it in, upon the water because they're casting off any sin. Lord, we've been thinking about this for a month now. Lord, we've been praying about this for a month now. You know what we're going to do? We're going to make sure. Uh, everybody turn to Psalm 103. Tara, uh, I want to eventually get to verse 12, but can you start back a verse or two where it, where it seems best to you? Yep, that's great. Verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. Next verse says this. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. The idea of finding a lake, a river, and actually when you read the, the modern scholars on it, they're saying it's preferable if the river has fish. 
Because they want the sin to be completely taken away as far as the east is from the west. What a beautiful way to just start off your year. Doesn't this look appetizing to you? This is what the start of the new year is supposed to bring. Hey, Lord, we know that there are things that you've been working on our hearts about. And even as we get started, Lord, we want to just celebrate your goodness. It's like apples of gold and settings of silver when a right word is spoken in the right time. Lord, we're thankful for what you provide for us. And this heart of gratitude, this heart of excitement, allows God's people to begin in a certain way that pleases him. Let's take a look at a few other things that goes on here. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 21. As they're eating the apples, as they're thinking of the the bread, they also start reading two different passages in Genesis that I want to show you about. Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21, and let's look at verse 1. They read about the birth of Isaac, each and every Rosh Hashanah. The birth of Isaac, verse chapter 21, verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as He had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what He had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At that very time, God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. The reason they begin to read about Isaac and the birth of Isaac is because they want to be reminded of God's divine providence and His omnipotence. They want to remind themselves and say, hey, remember what God did here? He had a plan and He was strong enough to enact this plan. It looked foolish. 25 years ahead of time, He set this thing out. It looked foolish because other, even when they tried to do and accomplish it on their own, and yet God's divine providence came through. Uh, Psalm 138.8. Can you just put that up on the screen, Tara? The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. The Lord has got His purposes, and they're reminding themselves of God's great provision, of His great providence, and His omnipotence. I want you to turn to Genesis 22 now. Verse 12. They read of the birth of Isaac and they also read of the binding of Isaac. In verse 12 it says, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there was in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. (laughs) He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. That's part of where we get the shofar from. The ram's horn. It's reminding them that it came from a king of an animal. They're reminded that even our best righteousness, (laughs) even our best righteousness can't stand up to his, and yet we can call upon his name. We can call to him and receive help in our time of need because there's a covenant of love that is at work. There's a covenant of love that He presents to us always being based on self-sacrifice. It's amazing what is being shown here. Three of the things that they talk about in this, and we're going to start moving towards what God is doing in us and showing us on the next steps that we have here. 
God has been working to refine us, to get these other thoughts, to get these other uh, polluted elements out of our lives. He is working now to be able to, to get us to the point where we can blow a shofar for His greatness. In this season, there's, it talks about God's kingship. It talks about God remembering His people. And it talks about the sounds of the shofar. Three main sections to what they're doing. Let's turn to Matthew 6 again. Matthew chapter 6. Let's start in verse 9. Because we're going to talk about God's kingship, His remembering of His people, and the sounds of the shofar. Verse 9 says then, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is exactly the way that their entire festival goes. They talk about God's kingship. I'm not sure if y'all are going to be able to read that from where you are. God's kingship. Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, give us the resources that we need, your bread. The way the Jews would say it would be Baruch Atah Adonai Elohenu Malek Haolam Hamotzi Lachem Min Haaritz. We praise you, eternal God, sovereign of the universe, who causes bread to come forth from the earth. Lord, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lord, remember us. Lord, remember. Lord, remember Your people. Forgive our debts as we've forgiven others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This opportunity for us to have a life that is acting like a shofar for Him. Our lives are meant to be a call, a clarion call. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 2. Pastor Matt, would you go get me some water, please? Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. Calling out for God's kingship, that His position, that we are reminded, Lord, that You are the God of the universe. One of the things that they say in the Hebrew culture at this day of, 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 of trumpets, this Rosh Hashanah, is that, uh, that the Lord gets to renew His desire to continue with the universe that He's created. Thank you. That the Lord gets to continue on with what He's created. And we know in His Word that He's saying, yeah, uh, for me to not do what I've already said, heaven and earth would have to pass away. Not one jot, not one tittle. Not one part of what I'm saying will be excluded from this. Let's look in Exodus chapter 2. And let's start in verse 23. It says this. 
During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and He remembered His covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Hey church, let me remind you that God has remembered His promises to you. He's remembered His promises. He's remembered and understands what's going on. The remembering here that the, that the Jews focus on is God remembering His people. I found that more often than not, the problem isn't God remembering me and what He said. The problem is me remembering Him and what He's told me. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 5. It says this, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their fathers to the third and fourth generation. What's one of the things that the Lord has been reminding us of lately? Is that he can both save the righteous and judge the wicked simultaneously. He can do both of these things. So when we're talking about God, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love. This is what we're supposed to be reminding ourselves of. That this God that we serve is helping us through the everyday situation. He's building things into us. Compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Come on, don't you need that kind of a God today? Isn't that a great way to start off what we're doing here is to have His kingship be reminded in our hearts to be exalted as king over not only the whole universe, but the king over us today? to remember His goodness, to remember His kindness, to remember that He's slow to anger, that does not want, that should not cause us to abuse these things, but rather appreciate and be able to enjoy these characteristics about Him. That we run to these characteristics. Lord, I am working with all that I know how. I've dedicated everything that I know how. And for the parts that I still fail you, the parts where I lack, I then run to you and say, Lord, You're a gracious God. You're full of compassion. You are slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You maintain your love. Let's go back to Psalm 103 just for a second. Psalm 103. I want to catch a little bit more of this passage that we have now that we've read Exodus 34. It says this, Psalm 103 and verse 7. He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Does this sound familiar? Slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. What does that sound like? Sounds exactly like we read out of Ezra. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. 
as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Do you hear how these themes are interwoven in the Scriptures that we continue to read tonight? That we can cast off these things. Why? Because He is great and full of compassion. Let's turn to Psalm 33. Give me one of those stools, please. It says this in, verse thir- in verse, chapter 33, verse 1. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Makes music to Him on the ting-stringed lyre. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. You remember where the word shout for joy comes from? It's supposed to be ear splitting. It's supposed to be just like a shofar blasting. When we sing out to the Lord, when we cry out to the Lord, it is supposed to be reminiscent of this very thing. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Would you say that phrase with me? He is faithful in all he does. Say it again. He is faithful in all he does. We have to remember that more than we do. We have to remember this on a daily and even an hourly basis. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of His unfailing love. Would you skip on down to verse 12 for me? It says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He chose for His inheritance. From heaven He looks down. And sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on the earth. Everybody say all. All. He who forms the hearts of all. Who considers everything they do. How does it sit with you tonight that the Lord considers everything you do? Every thought. Every intent. Every action. Every motive. Every word. The Lord considers all that we do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Wow. His eyes are upon us when we fear him. Look at verse 20. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. The Lord is our very easer and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May Your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in You. Can we remember that tonight? Not just in a kind of intellectual remembering, but in a remembering that causes us to act rightly before the Lord. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 3. It says this, Revelation 3 and verse 2. Wake up. Everybody say, wake up. Wake up. 
strengthen what remains and is about to die. Your heart, your hope, your vision, your mezuzah. Wake up, strengthen what remains but is about to die. Do you know that the Lord says, that the Word says about Israel, it says it about Jesus, it says it about King David. It says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not put out. On a day like this, on Rosh Hashanah, as we eat the apples dipped in honey, as we eat the bread that is precious to Him, we're supposed to be reminded that He is good, that He will not snuff us out, but rather is seeking to engage us and to light us on fire, to fan into flame what is going on, those small things. Wake up, strengthen what remains, those things that are about to die. He says this, For I have not found your deeds complete in my sight. But remember, everybody say remember. Therefore, what you have received and heard, obey it. Remember what you've received and what you've heard. You know what you're supposed to do with that? You're supposed to put it into practice. You're supposed to obey it and repent. About what? Yeah, about anything that needs to be repented of. When do I need to repent? Yes. Yeah, that didn't require it. No, yes. Repent. Obey. Repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I come. The idea of Him coming like a thief is not for those who are being obedient. It's for those who won't repent. It's for those who won't obey. They become like the idols that they're worshiping. They can't see. They can't hear. They don't know when He's coming. Yet, I, for you, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not sold their clothes. They will walk with Me dressed in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. You know, on this day in Rosh Hashanah, it's, it's often the case where the priest, between now and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, there are ceremonies where instead of being in the full garb, they have a different garb that is just white to remind the people that God is going to cleanse them from their sins. It's to remind them, even now, on a day like uh, Rosh Hashanah as they're getting ready for the Day of Atonement. There's still a few more days. There's ten more days for them to get their hearts prepared. They've been preparing it, but now what happens is as they think about the white garments, their repentance turns from an internal to an external getting ready for the Day of Atonement. It's from a thought of prayer only to a thought of action. What can we now do? How can we sound a shofar with our very life that cries out for what God has been doing in our midst? of His worthiness, of His greatness, of His excellence being seen in our midst. Turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And verse 20. It says this, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? <laughs> this is part of the readings for today. In the Older Testament, him putting his son on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together. Everybody say working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. The idea is that on a day like today, what is supposed to be sounding, what is supposed to be splitting the ears of those around us is that our lives act like a shofar for Him. They make a distinct call. Is it not in in Corinthians that it teaches us this? Unless something makes a clear call. What is the alternative to making a clear call, a clarion call on a trumpet? What What is the alternative that it says there in Corinthians? We're going to be like a sounding gong, a a crashing cymbal. A crashing cymbal that doesn't produce a clear sound, but it produces some indistinct sound. It produces indistinctness. What are you supposed to get from that? What are you supposed to take from that? Our lives are not co- supposed to be compared to a, the clanging of a cymbal, the, go- the gonging of a sound. There's supposed to be a distinctness to our lives. There's supposed to be something distinct about us that we can call out and it should be loud enough that it splits the ears of those around us. That it creates attention in those around us by saying, Our God is good. Look at the life that we are living. He is good and He is powerful. Our deeds should reflect. Our deeds should reflect exactly what He has been proclaiming. That He is a God who has kingship, that has dominion over the whole earth. And that we remember it. And that we put into practice, we put into action everything that He's required of us. We've taken a month now for the Lord to move on our hearts taken more than a month, but especially in the last month. We've taken time for Him to examine our very thoughts. We've taken time for Him to evaluate and for us to see if we're living indeed by the mezuzah that we proclaim. The goal of our life that we have said that He has given to us, are we living by it? Because if we are, it starts to sound a clear call to those around us. There is a clear clarion call to this. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we get ready to end this service tonight, What is the next deed that you need to do to show God? To show Him that you understand His kingship. To show Him that you remember who He is and who we are. To let your life be like a shofar for all the world to hear. Resonating within our own homes. Resonating on our jobs. Resonating in our neighborhoods. Resonating to those around us. What is the next daring act of faith that you should engage in tonight? What is the next thing that you must stand up and do? I know you. I know that some of you have been going through difficulties. 
I know that some of you have been challenged in your workplaces. I know that some of you have been challenged in your finances. I know that God, is, that God has been challenging you even in the places where you live. I know this about you. What I'm saying is that on a day like today, to show that we are believing that, His, that God's plan for our life is as sweet as apples dipped in honey, that it's as precious to us, it feeds our soul just like this beautiful piece of bread. What are we doing? What is God requiring us to stand up and do? What are you supposed to be doing to show, to give a call to those around you? Do you have things left undone that God has already spoken to you that you have not yet done? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 23, I want to start there. It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Pastor, do we have communion elements in the back? We're going to bring out some communion elements here in just a minute. And we're going to take communion together. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, after supper, He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. What I want us to focus on right now is what it is that God is calling us to do in response to Him. What are the things that you have left undone that you must do and you must do now? What are the things that you need to start today What are the things that you must stop today based on His commands to you? I have to be honest with you as my friends here. Um, We cannot neglect what the Lord has done in our lives. He's been speaking to us. He's been so good to us to move upon our hearts. He's been so good to expose things in our hearts, in my heart, in your heart. On a day like today where we're supposed to remember His, where we're supposed to be, put ourselves under His kingship, we're supposed to remember what He does and we're supposed to cry out into the heavens. What is it that you need to do? On the same night that he was betrayed, what did he say? He took the bread, he broke it, and he offered to them. He says, this do in remembrance of me. Even in the moment of communion, there's this idea that we're supposed to be doing something. We're supposed to be doing it to prove his kingship, to prove his lordship, to remember what he's done. Do this in remembrance of me. And then what happens with our lives is that it's supposed to be a clear call. 
as we get ready for communion here, I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit to move in my life tonight. I have to be honest with you. For the last 45 minutes, I've been dizzy, feeling like I need to vomit. Didn't feel that way before I got up here. So you know what I'm going to trust in? I'm going to trust in His kingship. I'm going to remember how, he, how good He is. And I'm going to believe that even though we may be weak as individuals, we're strong when we cry out to Him. Are you ready to cry out to the Lord tonight? Would you stand with me so we can cry out to Him?